mixed media music. All right, welcome to Mixed Media Music, where today we will be discussing uh, the Oscars uh, results. You know what I thought of the nominees uh, for Best Original Score. You know, best best original songs, so a whole nother uh, world. Uh, so we're going to leave that one aside because there's plenty of music um, in Best Original Score. So before we kind of get into the films and what you know the, the film scores for this uh, this year and what I thought about all of them, um, last year uh, when we did this uh, same sort of thing, I did not really. I, you know, I, I, I use kind of my, my criteria as sort of just what I like. Um, but this time, it's probably, it's going to be the same thing pretty much. But I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm, I'm defining things correctly according to the Academy. So I'm going to start with that. So the Academy has some, they have a long history of a bunch of weird and shifting rules for best original score. Starting with when they first awarded it, they uh, would give the award to the person who's the head of the music studio, not the composer. And they have changed things all the time since then. There's a big rule change this year, although I don't know that it affected anything. For a very most of the history of the Oscars, the original score needed to be 100% original. And that is not true any longer. Uh, this course is kind of controversial because um, the uh, Nino Rota's score for The Godfather, the first one, um, was initially a nominee and then it was kicked out. They disqualified it because it was uh, brought to the attention of the Academy that uh, some of the music was reused from one of Rota's uh, earlier Italian films, Italian language films, which is not really an issue these days because uh, the up until this year, I don't remember exactly when they changed it, but recently the rule has been had the out of all the music that is in the film, sixty percent has to be original for it to be, qualify for original score, and for a uh, movie in a series, it has to be eighty percent original. Uh, they changed that this year. They kept the eighty percent rule for sequels. And you know things in a series, and they bump down the percent of music that has to be original to thirty-five percent, which seems kind of absurd to me. You know, best original score you can you can win it, but only thirty-five percent of the music in there has to be original. Um, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why they 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 did that. New for this year makes no sense. If anything, okay. too, the sequels should be lower, not higher. But Right. You should be yeah. using music. I mean, I mean, not necessarily you should, but in a lot of cases, it's a good idea to reuse music from an earlier, you know, film in in, in the series. But that is not my uh, my my rule to make. Um, but so let's let's uh, read their description here of of what qualifies. Okay, so their official description is: the original score is a substantial body of music. 35% is substantial, I don't know. Uh, it's a substantial body of music that serves as original dramatic underscoring and is written specifically for the motion picture by the submitting composer or composers. So the operative thing there, which I we, we mentioned, I think, in last year when we had this uh, 
had this uh, show. But the operative thing here is that they actually specified that we're talking about underscore, which is kind of an interesting thing because there is a whole controversy in the 90s when they made it in a whole nother category because people were getting, well, some people were getting upset that uh, Menken and uh, his films from the you know, beginning of Disney Renaissance uh, were winning these awards every year for best original score. And some people in the music branch said, well, the rest of the Academy, they're just voting on the fact they like these songs. They're not paying attention to the underscore. And this was around for like a handful of years. And then the executive committee, I think, of the Academy decided that they didn't like that because uh, they said that no other, you know, award category has such a distinction, you know, you know based on like the, the genre of, of, of the film. So ostensibly you're not supposed to, you're only supposed to consider underscore and not songs, but people consider songs anyway. So, but it, it's important to know that they're focusing on underscore and not worrying about songs, at least definitionally. And they also note, okay, what, what, what uh, actually uh, wins the award? Okay. So they say works shall be judged on their effectiveness, craftsmanship, creative substance, and relevance to the dramatic whole, and only as presented within the motion picture. Okay. So that's a pretty, you know, basic definition, right? Effect, how effective it is, how well it has been crafted, what, how creative it is, and how relevant it is to the, the film itself. Okay. So those are things that I'm trying to keep in mind that I'm focusing on underscore and not songs, which is important for Encanto. Well, and also that, you know, we're, we're focusing, you know, on, on the, like the, the art itself and also how it's relevant to film, which is what I try and do any time I talk about a film score, but just, just so we know those are what the Academy is supposedly is looking for. Okay. So our, I'm going to just go through the nominees in no particular order. Um, so I've seen a couple, I've seen two of these films. Uh, I've seen Encanto and I've seen Power of the Dog. Uh, the others I have not seen, but I have listened to all of these soundtracks. They're long, especially Dune, which has three long soundtracks, which we'll get into when we get to Dune. Of course, for anyone watching, we'll, we'll start with the obvious. Dune was, was the winner, um, as was pretty much predicted by everyone uh, going into it. Encanto, I think, was maybe like the, you know, the surprise pick some people made. So we're going to start with Encanto. And, you know, we I've talked briefly, I think, in a couple of shows about Encanto. Uh, but here's kind of my, my overall thought on, on just the music. Um, the film itself, I, I enjoyed the film. I think it did some things that the that I haven't really seen, you know, some themes that I haven't really seen in other Disney films. But musically, so this is a score by uh, Jermaine Franco. Um, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, she was uh, John Powell's assistant for, I think, 12 or 15 years uh, before kind of setting off on her own. And even that was her second career. So she's kind of, she's, she's kind of an older composer. She did a lot of work on Coco, not as the, um, the co uh, composer or primary composer, but uh, as one of the orchestrators. So she got a lot of credit for, the, for her work on that. So my thoughts on the, on the music. I, as I said on previous shows, 
I think the music was the least remarkable part of it. And the songs in particular did not do much for me at all, um, but we're not going to consider those under the strict definition of, um, of the Academy. Although I do, I personally like to see, you know, a strong relationship between songs um, and score, but I'm not sure if there really was a relationship between the songs and score that I, I could discern easily. Um, but even, even if there was, I'm not going to consider that. The best parts of this score are where the music is inspired by uh, Colombian rhythms and themes and instruments and styles. And there's a lot, there's a good amount of that in there. Uh, you know, she, she went to Colombia and uh, did some musical research before setting out to write that. Um, and when we get that kind of stuff, I think that's, that's where the score has some life. I think that's, you know, it has personality. Um, it's fun. It, it seems like it, it belongs to the film. Um, but that's, that's it, although there's a good amount of it, it's not the majority of the music. Uh, that's what I take issue with. The rest of the music, to me, it's fine. But I'm not really looking for fine in, when I'm trying to pick you know, the score of the year. Um, I, I should add, too, that uh, this is the largest score in, in, like a sense, in the sense of um, like number of musicians playing on it. Uh, out of the nominees this year, for good reason, of course, because of COVID making recording harder. But we still we still get a you know decently sized you know Disney orchestra. But you know, to me, a, a big Disney film, it's not just it, the score. The standard is not just to be fine. It's not just to be serviceable. You know, that's, that, that that bar is too low. Disney has. Is you know since since the Renaissance at least we're really going back to you know the beginning of Disney and, and Snow White, the bar has been way higher than that. Um, say what you want about Disney as a company, and you can say many things about it depending on your opinion uh, of them. But I think their music, the bar they set through their music is really high, and and I, I think a lot of people agree, agree with that that sentiment. People like Disney music. But yeah, to me, I don't know. Like I said, it's. It's just kind of monotonous music. It does everything it's supposed to do. Kind of, it's kind of like co uh, color by the numbers. Like, well, you know, we know what we need. You know, here it's kind of predictable. We insert it. So, I, I don't really understand why the whole all these like, Colombian ideas, okay, rhythms and different styles. I don't know why that just wasn't everywhere. I, I don't know why that artistic decision was made. I think that would have made the film more cohesive musically. Um, it would have brought more life to the film in general. So that's, that's kind of my, uh, my thought there. Uh, you know, what's interesting to me is that, like I said, she was a really important contributor, uh, Franco, the composer, was an important contributor to Coco. And I think Coco did a fantastic job of, of that. It, it had its, its you know, Mexican-inspired tone throughout. And I really am not sure why that wasn't done with Encanto. I think that would have just made the score so much better. Like I said, you know, there are memorable-ish, fairly memorable moments um, with, with that kind of, you know, Colombian stuff. But the rest of it, it just, it's fine. But I, I don't, I don't like. Fine. I mean, I, you know, I, I want, I want more, more from from a, a score. I'm going to call best score of the year. Uh, the Power of the Dog. 
by Johnny Greenwood, the other film that I saw. And, you know, in a sense, it's a good score in that I think it is pretty much the perfect aural equivalent of the visuals and everything, <laughs> you know, in every, in every sense. Um, so in that sense, it, it's good. It, it totally matches the film that it is part of. Uh, but if you have seen some of our recent shows, you know that I think neither Irving nor I are particular fans of the film. So, nope. uh, you know, yeah, um, for, for several reasons. And, you know, I think the thing that the thing that I, I said about it is that it just it's trying so hard to be subtle and it's trying so hard to take this show instead of tell uh, principle. It's trying so hard with these things that it's not subtle and it doesn't really show anything what it the, the things that should be told and not shown. And I think the music is kind of the equivalent of that. In case the obviousness of this film you know didn't strike you just from like e you know everything on screen minus the sound uh the music is there to help you along that journey right from like scene number one you know what's going to happen uh the music is not hiding anything you know it's it's like i'd say it's it's well written uh it's you know well crafted music when it occurs there was very little of it very empty as as the film is very quiet, uh, like I said, we're we're doing a, a whole lot of showing uh, when we should be doing maybe a little bit more telling. Um, I you know in the music community, it's gotten some some praise for like breaking the mold of a western, but and to me that's not really rad a radical thing because yes, it's not like it's not the score for uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly or Silverado or something like that. Yeah, but it's not that kind of film either, right? You could you can't write, you know, Silverado Big Brass, which it, it wouldn't work because we're not going out and having a bunch of big gunfights. Uh, so to me, that's not a really radical thing. Um, it, to, you know, I, given what it is, I don't think it does anything too too crazy. You know, there are like some some moments in it. Uh, the music at the very end. Where it stops, like in the very, you know, the very last scene where the music is not as like on the nose, you know, about what's going on, and then, I, but in that moment, I mean, I'm suddenly confused a little bit. I'm like, why are we like being ambivalent now? If anything, the the last scene is where we shouldn't really be ambivalent, you know. Agreed. And it, it just, yeah, it, it's a little strange to me. Uh, it's it's just I, I just don't like. You know, it, it does what the film does. I know I've said that a lot of times, but like a good example of that, we have this like one nice scene with Rose and um, what's the what's the name of the brother she marries? I can't remember. Um, I don't. The remember. brother she married. I probably forgot uh, one of them is, what happened in that film already. <laughs> one of them. One of them's name is Phil. I don't remember which one is which. The the kind of nice brother, we'll say. You know, right? Like he, they go off and on a car ride, and they get out and look at the mountains. They, she tries to teach him to dance, and the music there is—it's just so like. To me, that's like where we could really grow. Like this is like a really tender, intimate moment, and it's really kind of empty music there. And 
you know, in the moment, it doesn't feel right. And then you keep watching, you're like, well, okay, I guess it's right in the sense that, yeah, the film drops the ball on, like, that relationship. So, again, equivalent of the film in pretty much every way. I think if you want to do, you know, just as, just as um, I think, as, you know, a filmmaker, if you if you want to do something, you know, subtle and you're trying to go for this kind of, like, not dialogue-heavy, nice, you know, pictures, long pictures of landscapes and stuff, like you're trying to take these kind of surface elements of something, someone like Malik or Tarkovsky. Well, see what they do with their their music. Like Tarkovsky's composer, uh, is a guy named Vyacheslav Avchinikov for most of his films, really interesting composer. We'll, I'll probably talk about him one day soon. And you know, right? He doesn't do much music in these films either. But it's it's not. It's it's subtle music. It's not you know telling you everything. So I I don't know. I feel like same way that the film itself should should look at films that are actually subtle. I'm not blaming Johnny Greenwood here for, for this, but I, I feel like the, the way to go would it would be um, that kind of Avchinikov uh, manner. Okay, uh, so Dune, the the winner, and go. pretty much. Unan- unanimous pick yeah so so first off i have not seen this film so that's going to color this a little bit and I'll, I'll i'll explain why yeah and if you've watched this podcast long enough you know that i'm not a huge fan of zimmer post 2000 ish this is you know a bit of a different score for zimmer uh it's a definitely it's a from what i understand a a passion project of his. Um, he kind of he turned down some other offers so he could work on this. Um, he turned down Christopher Nolan, which is yeah, uh, you know his tenant. go-to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, he he really wanted to do this film. He apparently had never seen the original film, so he knew nothing about the music there. Um, and he started working on this well in advance, just based on the book. And this is the reason why there are three albums, three soundtrack albums. And I don't know about other search engines or, you know, streaming services, but if you go to YouTube Music and you try and find the actual music used in the film, you it's very hard to find. Uh, they want to give you what is called the uh, Dune Sketchbook, which is what Zimmer worked on first, uh, pre-COVID just like extended meditations on various themes and they're like 20 minute long tracks and i listened to that first there's also a soundtrack specifically written for the like documentary on the making of the film and then there's a soundtrack uh for the film itself which yes borrows some ideas from the sketchbook but is very different um, so I, I listened to that as well. I did not listen to the music from the making of documentary. I didn't think that was terribly relevant. Okay, so for me, this is kind of it's kind of hard. It's not necessarily hard to evaluate the score itself. It's a little bit hard to evaluate whether I think it should have won the award for best original score or not. As as far as modern Zimmer goes. I think it's maybe a little bit more interesting than things he's done recently, at least for me. 
you know, I, I, I certainly understand why. Why this is a, a epic score for you know why what I understand is kind of an epic film of you know epic proportions, map you know vast desert landscapes, um, and he's going for a very kind of deserty sound in, in like a stereo in a way that like he's not literally you know doing stereotypical things, but also that like still feels kind of stereotypically deserty. He's matching the uh, matching the scope of this film. It's also a little bit hard to evaluate because this is it, it kind of continues the direction that a lot of um, scores of his and other people who kind of in the mold of Zimmer are going, where the line between sound design and m- music is is it's been blurred and. With this, it's it's increasingly blurred. I would say um, it makes again, sense I, just know, watching not, the film. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen it, but there's so many things I'm in this you know really long score, and I you listen to it and you're like, that could just very easily just be what like the sound of the world, you know, like literal, literally like the sound of like the desert winds, you know, um, things like that. You know, it becomes a little hard to evaluate in that sense because you're combining two different things, two different um, cinematic art forms. Um, but that is kind of a trend that music has has gone down a little bit. I I appreciate the fact that there are definite themes in it, although they're not like there's certainly not themes that one can hum, and they're probably not ones that you are going to like walk out of a theory and be aware of the, like that they existed but they are they're developed first in kind of a hazy way in the sketchbook and then they are um in in the score itself they're not like terribly distinct they have um a definite profile to them which is kind of ascending and then emphasize going down emphasize a descending half step uh landing and these are all in kind of wordless female voices. Uh, apparently, the thought uh, was that this the sound of the female voice that you wanted to give a like sacred sense to it, mystery and sacredness, uh, in, in his words. My impression is that this score adds an enormous amount to the film. I understand that the uh, film itself. You know, uh, if you watched it in theaters, a lot of people said that the, the um, soundtrack was unbearably loud. And I can absolutely see how, you know, all of these, this kind of ambient desert wash with these themes kind of rising in and out without you really noticing that they are doing that. I can see how that really adds to the atmosphere of the film from what I understand of the film. Um, so in that sense, I think it probably... Is is a really good score in, in that way, right? To, it's contribution to the film itself. I I imagine that pretty much any other music is probably not going to be as effective with, with this film. Again, from just from what I understand, like stills I've seen from it. To me personally, though, I I, I can appreciate like the scale of of it. I can appreciate the technical mastery in order to make this like bring all these you know invented sounds together these invented instruments and real instruments and 
all the programming and all the editing that would that that took. Would I ever stick this on again? Probably not. I'm not going to sit around and like want to listen to it. If anything, it probably if I'm going to listen to it again, it's because it's going to be in co the context of watching the film. I, I also think, to me, it, it's just interesting that to go for sci-fi now, like this kind of totally alien sci-fi world, you know, that we have to go with this like alien sounding. I'm going to say this correctly, kind of alien sounding music that tries as hard as possible to avoid human instruments other than things like the voice. Um, I think you can do that. You can make this, you know, th something that sounds very alien and very otherworldly with traditional instruments. There are lots of really cool examples of that, like uh, James Goldsmith, for, like aliens or lots of lots of examples like that things that sound really really you know wacky not not of this world but are still like combining you know real instruments with with electronics someone like goldsmith or horner too uh they're also you know despite the fact that these things are you know they sound alien they're they're also giving us themes that you know they're not melodic necessarily like i mean not something you're, you can sing but they're like identifiable unit units whereas to me this is just kind of like the themes yeah they're themes they kind of fade in and out you don't really you just kind of emerge from this kind of ambient watch so you know not necessarily a bad thing but it just it's, it's different than uh it's, i don't think it's the way that films such films have to be scored so I, again, I, I can I can definitely appreciate it. I appreciate the kind the themes. I actually think the way that, that, that they're you know they're kind of woven into that ambient wave of sound is is, is interesting, and I can I can definitely see why it won just for its scale. But like on a, on a, I don't know I, maybe if I watch a film it'll make me appreciate it even more. But as a as a filmic work you know as, as a work of musical art. Is it something that I really can like say, wow, I, I, just, I love that? No, not really. I will say um, uh, about the film since I saw it, there's a lot of um, the score really, well, it's really loud. <laughs> well, the, the, mu the music together with the, the uh, sound design is all really loud. Everything's on top of each other, really. You know, even the dialogue sometimes gets crushed. And there's very little dialogue in the film and what this causes to happen with these very long stares into the desert is that the only thing that's speaking because really the film, in my opinion, isn't really saying much in these long stare, you know, moments is the score. And so it's like, I almost wish there was more definition to what the score was saying in those moments to give me more to, to, to bite on when the film wasn't giving me that much, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense, and I will say that like, yeah, there's no there's no direction in it in the score. To me, granted, I, I haven't seen the film, but pretty much every track, I couldn't tell you like they're all pretty they all pretty much are the same to me. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that's not literally true, especially if you watch the film. But no, there's no like it's not it's not leading you anywhere. If, if that's what it is, there's a lot of like long looks of a desert. Yeah, I think it, 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 it Zimmer letting you stare into the desert 
He's not. He's yes. not telling you. Not telling you anything. So we had we had two more here. Uh, two two more films. Uh, first one is Parallel Mothers, which is a film I had not heard of at all. I looked up a, a one sentence summary that you know comes up when you Google it. This is a uh, Spanish film uh, scored by. Albert Iglesias, who is this is his fourth nomination, um, his biggest score, at least English language score, is uh, Kite Runner, which he did not win the best score for, but that was uh, one of one of the uh, nominees that year. He also has a lot of like traditional cl- classical, you know, like concert composing, and this is the score that I most want to listen to again. I've listened to it twice already. You know, what first struck me when I listened to it after reading the one sentence summary of what this film is about, which I will explain that in a second, but I I read the summary, I listened to the music, and I said, how on earth does this have anything to do with, like, this, what what, the the one sentence summary of this film? um, It's, the one sentence summary is, like, these two mothers uh, walk into, like, a hospital to give birth at the same time and become friends. The music is like pretty dark and kind of terrifying in some places. Uh, and I was like, well, okay. I, the problem is the track titles are in Spanish, so I did translate them, but that wasn't terribly helpful either. So I was really intrigued because I really liked the music, but I had no idea how it related to this film. But I had to look up the actual plot synopsis of the film. It is not, It is very... There's very little, well, there's a lot to do with that. Oh, that's just like the opening premise. It is a really kind of convoluted tale of a whole bunch of like sexual misconduct and um, really weird uh, sexual relationships and things like that and like dead children. And okay, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not typical. Uh, yeah, not not the kind of thing. Not having read that plot summary, that I would want to stick in, you know, or stick at DVD. And we don't have who has DVDs anymore, right? You know, watch on whatever streaming platform. Uh, but the music, what I really like about it, um, is that it's a really interesting blend of like traditional musical mastery. It's just so well composed, you know, really fantastic understanding of all these instruments. Um, they're all used beautifully. It's mostly like piano, synth, and uh, some strings, but there are woodwinds that make an appearance and you know add a lot of interesting color to it. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a traditional score uh, with that kind of modern twist of having the synth, but kind of unobtrusive synth. But it's it's just so you know the 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 themes are are, are pre- like very present in it. It's maybe not like most lyrically beautiful score, but it's just you know it, it's kind of it, it very captivating. And it just like I said, it, it you the the uh, musical talent uh, of Iglesias is really evident in every every bar. So just to just to you know a, a score to listen to for like studying like you know how to write for all of these instruments i think that alone is valuable it's a really intimate and haunting score it has moments of of lightness but never real happiness which i think matches um what i understand the film to be now that i've read the actual plot 
uh, summary. Um, and he does a really great job capturing you know, dread and tension while having this kind of intimate quality to it. And I think that the instrumental choice, although maybe it would have been larger if it had not been COVID, I don't know. Uh, I think it just, it works really well overall. And again, so I, I just also looking at stills from the film, I think it matches the tone of the film from what, what I imagine the tone of the film is. Um, I, I don't know, I really like this score. This is probably my, would this would be my pick for best score of the year. Had absolutely no chance of winning because nobody has ever heard of Parallel Mothers, as far as I know. Uh, it's not an English language film, so you know who who knows foreign films anyway. I mean, I think you know if I'm on, if I were you know a voting member of the Academy, it, this would have gotten my vote. But they don't. They don't. You know, they pretty much don't listen to the all this. It's not like the Academy members are sitting down and listening to all the scores before they vote. Or they even bother to have the courtesy to skip the category they know nothing about. They'll just yeah. uh, they'll just vote anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know that obviously the music committee has to listen to it, but um, yeah, I don't know how much anyone else listens to all these. Some of these, are, some of these, all all of these are pretty long, but like especially Doom, it is a massive soundtrack. Okay, and our final score is. Uh, Nicholas Brittels, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, score for Don't Look Up. And I also really like this score. And honestly, I, so I listened to it, and I said, wow, I want to watch this film. I don't really know anything about it. And then Irving posts on Discord that he thought this is a terrible film. Like, oh, great. Well, maybe, then, maybe I won't watch it then. The, I'm the not music, the only one, I promise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, the music is quite... It's it's entertaining music. It definitely wins the award for fun score. Yeah, uh, I do have to go now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Also, sorry, I didn't really uh, contribute too much. My internet has been going on and off, so like half the time, I heard nothing. Like <laughs> half or so. So, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. See you guys cool. Later. Yeah, I'll see you later. Enjoy the movie. I was gonna say, Ben, that this uh, that don't look up might be. Uh, sorry, the score for Don't Look Up was probably the highlight for me. But if you actually watch it with the film, there's actually not that much music anyway in the entire runtime, which is very sad. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, so it is it is a fun, entertaining score, although I can imagine, like like you just said, that there's very little music because most of the uh, tracks, they're not very, very many tracks, and a lot of them are like 45 seconds long. So very little music in the actual film, I guess. What I like about it, though, it is a very bright score. It is a bright score, very bubbly score. That's, that's, those are the two adjectives that come to my mind, bright and bubbly. It's got this kind of, you know, spacey, like new age space feel, like uh, kind of like I, it's in, in modern sense, capture this better. It's kind of a sound that, you know, Back in like the beginning of Space Age, I think people were trying to go for, but like didn't have the electronics to really get it. It does that really well, and so it's it's got this you know the sense of like space exploration, but not like not you know alien otherworldliness that um, that Dune has. Um, but it has that, and and it maintains this really bright and bubbly tone throughout the whole thing, um, and it's got a lot of jazz influence and literal jazz in it. Uh, which is, it just, 
kind of refreshing, you know, you get like a jazz, jazz with kind of like space synths. Uh, it's really, really cool. And uh, I, I think about my, my, my note too is that it's a really beautiful wedding of arpeggiated synths and acoustic instruments, which is hard to do. It's hard to have, you know, these things, it's very easy to do them, but it's hard to do them really well. You know, we get like jazz and jazz trumpets and saxophones and strings. And this synth that just seems like it's part of it. It's arpeggi, you know, heavily arpeggiated stuff. Seems like it's part of the fabric. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun score to listen to. Like if there's if there's one score that I'm gonna stick on, just just because I want want to hear something fun. Uh, definitely out of these films, this this wins. I think it it's fun enough that I'd stick it on even if, regardless. Uh, I don't know. I, I I like it a lot. And the music is least to me. I, you know, I I understand the film is kind of not the most serious film in the world, but the music seems pretty sincere. Maybe you know. I think like it, it takes the, the the appropriate tone, but it's not like the music is a joke, right? It may be going through like a, like a joking tone, but it, I think is it, it feels like it's written with a lot of sincerity and, and a strong um, strong sense of like of trying to do something really beautiful and effective. So definitely, this would be my my runner up pick number two for uh, best original score. Yeah, so those are our five five scores. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, like I said, I think this generally reflects the difficulty of using large ensembles uh, in the recording. You know, large ensembles in the pandemic. So, so we got some of these smaller scores, smaller forces, other than Encanto. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to me just to see where music goes each year. I was not expecting Parallel Mothers to be, and I saw that was a nominee, like, I don't even know what that is. I hadn't heard anything about it from anybody. I was not expecting that to be such a really beautifully composed score. Go ahead and listen to all of these. I definitely recommend uh, Don't Look Up and Parallel, Parallel Mothers if you haven't heard those. Um, and yeah, definitely let me know how wrong you think I am in evaluating these things especially Dune and Power of the Dog and Encanto. I know I, I've had some people disagree strongly with me about Encanto. Um, not so much about the music, but, you know, music being part of that. So feel free to, feel free to do that, you know, either on Discord or here in the chat. Yeah, that's, that's my uh, summary of these scores. Cool. What, how would you assess the overall quality of the cadre this year versus like other years? What are your overall thoughts? Mm. There's no score. Obviously, I'm heavily biased towards you know large orchestral things. Nothing like that. No entries from uh, a lot of the composers that I, I enjoy the most right now. You know, no Powell, no Giacchino you know, people like that. Uh, I think partially, again, because of the, the pandemic, you know, limiting films that are being made um, and the scope of music for the films that are being made other than June, which has been a work in progress for years. I don't know. I, I would say, I think it ref this group reflects like that kind of generally smaller turn uh, because of the pandemic. I think um, Don't Look Up and Parallel Mothers are, you know, representative of, good smaller scale which is what 
most things are now. Um, good smaller scale writing right now. I think hopefully Encanto is not the direction Disney music is going um, because it's kind of disappointing for it just to be fine. Yeah, hopefully uh, this year will be uh, bigger and better. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear some more you know, large orchestral scores. So is that it for uh, the music, more or less? Yeah, that's that's all I've got. So again, let me know what you think. If you agree or disagree, I don't I don't mind. If you think I'm I I don't know anything, feel free to say that. No, I definitely find it interesting, especially for the films that you haven't seen. Like hearing like, the pure musical perspective, and you know, I'm thinking like, huh, if I yeah yeah, I can totally see uh, you know. Especially with Don't Look Up, I think the the contrast is very large between the music and basically everything else about the film. Because I remember remarking in the first scene that the music was super fun and bright and textured and 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 it wasn't you know boring, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I was like, huh, maybe this will be a fun film. And then I was very wrong <laughs> by the end of it, um, which is kind of mm-hmm. sad, but uh, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. See if your your opinion influences me too much. Yeah. Oh, I contaminated the experiment. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess we'll go over to movies. Look, tell a man no trouble. I don't want beef, man. I just want vibes. Big man like me, no need for the telephone hype. I got too much getting online. One rule, then dead I'm on site. Wrong move, I bet they gon' ride. No need for the telephone hype, nah. No need for the snoozing. Big whip outside, I'm cruising. Big stick inside, no losing. Better watch out for the snake and Judas's. Don't ask them who this is. I bet they know what I'm moving in. I bet I show it into a dim. How you hate and then lose again? How you hating my vibes? Why you wasting my time? Getting hype on my line. Tell a man I don't want feedback. I just want relax. Brand new whip, two tone. I need that brand new hit. You know, like lean back, brand new bits. I live in. We back, man. You never gonna like us. Get them on sight now. Let them all like that way. They know I'm all righteous. Look at my life. I'm living all right. I'm nice. You know I'm all right. Cause looking like Christ. No need for the hype or fight or telephone vipers. No need for the telephone vipers.